This is The Lydia Project, Conversations with Christian Women. Our name is inspired by the life-changing conversation that Lydia had with Paul, recorded in Acts 16. On this podcast, you'll hear from a variety of women whose lives have also been impacted by the truth of the gospel. Your hosts, Tori Walker and Taryn Hayes, hope that you too will be challenged and inspired by how the gospel truths are being worked out in the lives of their guests, ordinary women who serve an extraordinary God. Today, your host is Tori Walker. Earlier on this year, I went to China for a holiday with one of my sons. We saw some amazing ancient palaces and climbed the breathtaking Great Wall, well, part of it anyway, and ate some really interesting street food. It was a great time and we created some really lovely memories together. Throughout all that, one of our experiences was really being the outsider. And it's hard to put into words, but it was definitely low season for Western tourists. So wherever we went, we were often the only people who were obviously tourists. And as you heard in that clip, the language is so foreign to our normal Aussie English, obviously, and the whole culture, I guess, felt like that for large parts of our holiday. We were trying to sort of understand how people felt and thought and operated in such a different kind of political system. And really, it was kind of hard to come to grips with the culture. It gave me a bit more understanding into the challenges and changes that my next guest has made over many years in order to fit into her new culture. Sally is a Brisbane girl who moved to China after uni to take part in some short-term mission work. And due to a very interesting first date that you will hear about, she never really left and has made her home there. I'll let her tell you the story. But before we get going, I just want to mention a couple of things. Sally is not her real name. We've just had to de-identify her. And when we were chatting a couple of times, she mentioned her husband's name and we had to cut that out. So you'll hear that. It's a bit obvious, but it's safer that way. Uh, As I also mentioned, it was very, very cold. It was snowing and we were all in her family's flat. So after dinner, she and I were in one room recording the interview and having our conversation and the kids were cleaning up dinner and I think they must have started playing a game because it does get a little bit raucous at a couple of points, but certainly good fun and hopefully not too distracting. The last thing I just want to mention before we get going is that if you have enjoyed hearing Sally tell her story, at the end, after our little music at the end of each episode, you can hear a little bit from one of Sally's daughters in an interview, a little mini interview that we did with her. How did you come to faith in Christ? It starts a long time ago, I think. I remember as a very young child, when we went to the beach or in a rain, feeling like God was there and big and, you know, responding in worship. But actually coming to know Jesus, my parents took me to a Sunday school on and off through my early years. And uh, so I picked up bits, bits and pieces. I remember buying a old battered blue Bible from my neighbor's garage sale and and reading, you know, 
first stories in Genesis. But it, things changed when I was in grade five, and uh, a couple from came and knocked on our door and invited Dad to a home group. And he went, and then we started going to church together. I went to Sunday school there. That church just really loved us into the kingdom. So I think, you know, in that stage, I was just, I wanted to be part of Jesus' family because they were great, you know, and they loved us. And there, like at Sunday school, I really, the Bible started opening me. I came to know who Jesus is, what God is like. That the Bible is really fun and has lots of interesting stories in it, and I, I really enjoyed it. I, and then from there, you know, steps of faith, and I was baptized when I was 13. How did you meet your husband? We met here in China. He's uh, from America. He wasn't really on my, in my plan, you know. When I, when I came to China, I thought, teach for a few years, then go back to Australia, and Bible college, get married that type of thing. But he was a nice surprise. We were in a, a town where there weren't many foreigners, and so we met with a small group to pray and then to worship on Sundays. Got to know each other through that. Our first date uh, was he asked me to go down to Hong Kong. At that stage, it was a three-day train journey to bring Bibles back in, another like Christian literature. That is you know, a great first date, <laughs> smuggling Bibles. Well, he said, you know, you get to know somebody on a three-day train journey in a way that you don't if you go to the movies or whatever. Solid. So, yeah, so that was that was fun. We went with some other people. Yeah. So he was obviously pretty sure that he it was a serious first date to be asking you to spend three days with him. Yeah, I guess. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He even bought Vegemite. And right. That was a real... Sacrifice. That was the real sign. Yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> okay, so your relationship developed and you ended up getting married. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Was his plan just to live in China for a couple of years and then go back to America, or did he have sort of more longer term plans here? How long had he been here? More than five years, I think, when we met. He was, he was nearly due to go back for, for some time in America, but because I was here and he stayed longer. Mm -hmm. And we did end up, after we got married, going back and doing seminary together mm -hmm. in America. Mm -hmm. So what was he doing in China before? We were both teaching English right. at different universities yep. in our city yep. and wanting to reach out to the students. Because China was just such a different place back then. And, you know, you'd tell, like Christmas time, you'd tell the Christmas story to your students and it was all new. You know, they'd never heard before so Never how many Christians. years ago are we talking? Like 15 or 20 years uh, ago almost? More yeah. than more than that. We've been married 20 years, so it'd be 20-something yep. years. Okay. So, sorry, they were really interested and never heard it before. Yeah, it yeah. was just different then. So it's been, that's been really a cool thing, being here so long and seeing not just how China's developed, but how, how the church has grown. I mean, it's grown just enormously yes. in the time that we've been here. And, you know, we see it in things like, you know, like, we used to have to go to Hong Kong to get Bibles and, you know, now for our Christmas party, or, or Christian literature, now for a Christmas party I, you know, ordered the purpose of Christmas online and had it delivered, you know, and in terms of people knowing, now when you talk to people, nearly everybody has heard something, even though, you know, they're not believers, they've heard something about the gospel, about the Bible, which you can download onto your phone now in Chinese and super easy and they've know somebody who's a Christian like when we first came often the only Christians they would know would be like their foreign teacher 
whereas now it's like, oh yeah, I have an aunt, or you know, I my colleague's friend is a Christian, you know, and they Chinese people. Yeah, yeah. So it's right. Interesting. So, do you have any idea what rough percentage of Chinese people are Christians? It varies a lot from you know different places. There, there's some people groups within China that are completely unreached. Statistics vary so widely. Even for our city, it varies a lot. And I'm really bad with numbers, so I don't remember. <laughs> Just winding the clock back in the stories. You met. You decided you wanted to wanted to marry him, and then it was obviously a joint decision to do seminary in America with a view to coming back here to live and mm -hmm. live as Christian people. And did you back then, do you now see yourselves as missionaries or are you Christians living in a culture that you're trying to share the gospel with? How, do, how does that all work for you? Uh, I think, think we're both. You can't have a missionary visa here like you could in Taiwan or a country that's more open. So you always have another job. So we, we really do the jobs that we do for English teachers or we do training now. That's what we really do. And it's not a, it's not like a fake front. But I, I think we probably wouldn't, I don't know. I, we feel like God wants us here and I don't know that we would be here except for to share with people to equip the church here. Yeah, that has kind of changed over time what we see as our role. But I think we're both professionals and Missionary. Yeah, yeah, and so do you have churches supporting you mm -hmm. and praying for you, both mm -hmm. in Australia and America? Mostly in America. Yeah, yeah. okay, mm -hmm. cool. Okay, so here's a question really for my sake. I, I think I'm still in culture shock. I've been here for a week and there's so much that's so different about Chinese culture. I mean, it's just, I hardly even have the words to describe how different it is to Australia, but also to my expectations. Do you remember what it was like when you first came, or is that just like too long ago? I do. I came from Japan the very first time I came. I was still at uni, and my parents were here. So I was surprised that it was not more like Japan, I thought it would be. But some of that was, you know, it was my first time in more of a third world country, which is not anymore, yeah. but at that time it was. So I remember you getting on a train with the chickens and the people with all their stuff and just it's this is so different but I also remember I expected like in Japan it was harder to get to know people whereas here in China it's really easy to strike up a conversation with people it's easy to make friends people are pretty open and so yeah they were my impressions yeah. actually that that has been a surprise that wasn't one of my expectations but I don't know why because Chinese people that I know in Australia are very friendly but I have found the people here more friendly to me as a foreigner than I expected mm -hmm. just helpful smiling mm -hmm. just things I didn't even mm -hmm. expect it's weird isn't it anyway uh, like is it I guess a bit more normal now I mean this is your life this is your home in a way mm -hmm. does it feel weird going to America or Australia now for you culturally well, America still feels weird because, because it is weird. Um, <laughs> there's a period of adjustment, I think, whenever you go somewhere. Uh, I'm not, because I've lived here so long, I'm not so up to date with what people talk about in Australia. I don't know the entertainment, what sports teams are playing, who, and even current affairs. So I'm a little bit out of date with people. But I'm very, very blessed to have family and friends who keep connected, and that makes a huge difference. 
So I still feel like we have relationships. People I know what's going on in their lives, they know what's going on with me, and that makes a difference. Yes. Is one of those connections your book club? Yes. Do you want to tell us a bit about your book club? Because I love it. Well, just and two of my good friends and I, it's kind of, it's, we do like to read and we like to discuss books, but it's partly an excuse because if you don't have a reason every month to, to make a call, you just, months go by and you don't necessarily connect. And so it's a chance to stay in each other's lives, stay connected. So there's three of you Mm -hmm. and every month you do a Skype call and yeah. like video calls. Yeah. So you sit there for a couple of hours and just for an hour. Mm-hmm. chat. Mm-hmm. That is very, very cool. And we talk about the book. That's good. <laughs> What's the last book you've read? What are you reading at the moment? Well, I personally didn't quite finish, but it was Don Quixote was the last oh, one. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I have read it before. So right. I had enough to yeah. get by. Good. Oh, and what about for your kids? Cause you've had, you arrived back here with one child and you've had some more for them. Where does home feel? Yeah, they, well, they're called third culture kids because they don't have one particular home culture. Mm. I think they feel most at home with other kids who are like them. Uh, so being at the international school is really a good thing, even though they might be from a from different cultures in the family, they share that aspect of living outside cultures. So they're very quick to adapt when we go different places, but they don't feel as at home as any as a person who would have who has their own culture you know i think they always have to be watching the social cues to make sure because it's not innate it's not Mm. second nature to them Mm. the phrase global citizens it does actually ring true when i look at them i Mm -hmm. think the way they talk about oh grandma here and uni there possibly and they are across the world more than a lot of other kids would be yeah but yeah i mean i'm sure it's hard there are challenges with that i'm sure for them both challenges and blessings i think for Mm. any family in any circumstance there's yeah there's growing things and there's opportunities what do you love about the chinese culture lots of things i think this is not so much chinese culture i feel like there's so many people there's just such a richness of stories here you know that so many different people doing different things and I love that. I think everybody is interesting. It's always an adventure living here. You never know exactly what's going to happen or why. And that's kind of fun. It's going to sound odd. There's kind of a lot of freedom here to, maybe because there is a lot of people, I don't know, to be, it's not a, you know very tight. You have to do things a certain way. That's my impression. Anyway, As compared to Western culture, where you feel like you've got to follow a particular trend or thought or you can sort of be hidden i think there's a lot of different people doing life in lots of different ways here perhaps more so than say if you i don't know in suburban america or australia where it's kind of more the same yeah i could be out of date there too because i think there's a lot more Hmm. diversity but it's not chinese culture per se yes that's just my experience living here and what do you find hard about chinese culture we still are foreigners we will always be foreigners we look different i will never sound even if my chinese gets really good i will never sound chinese i think most aspects of culture like language and food and learning how people think i think that's more interesting than than difficult so you're talking about how people's understanding of christianity in china has changed 
you know, in the last 20 years or so. What's it like sort of currently now? Like especially in terms of the government's involvement in church and things like that. This is the tightest it, it has been since we've come to China. It's uh, in the last year a lot more churches have been closed. House churches, unregistered churches have been closed. Foreign Christian workers have been kicked out and there's just a lot more scrutiny of religious activities. Even the official church has had a lot more security and intervention. It's it's a bit of a tough time right now. Mm. But with that, Christians that we know, they're really full of courage and the Chinese church has a very rich heritage of perseverance under persecution to draw from even like the songs that they that they sing. They have a lot more persecution songs than than I think we do in the West. And, you know, older Christians have, have been through it before. So there's, I think there's a good spirit in facing what's happening and what might happen. A lot of churches are <laughs> downsizing the word. Instead of meeting as a large group, they're meeting in small groups, which again, it's not all bad because you have more people, leading more people involved. It's easier to invite people to, to house-based fellowships. There's more group caring less just sitting, listening, kind of passive, non-obedient type of Christianity. So there's definitely good with, with the bad. And mm. I think leaders and believers need a lot of wisdom to, to know what to do. And, and there is a temptation, I think, for both for foreign and for Chinese Christians to, to be fearful. And, you know, it's already hard enough to share your faith without also having the thought of, you know, is this is this going to be a security risk? Is this going to cause problems for my company? You know, or if I do this Bible study or this training with people, is that going to mean you know the authorities are going to come visit my my company, or or worse, or are they going to get into trouble for it? So I, I think that's really a need to to pray that people that will have wisdom to be appropriately bold and appropriately sensitive. Mm. to the situation so is it currently like is is there a law against sharing your faith is it very bad to say i don't know (laughs) (laughs) there's there's you know there's technically freedom of religion but sometimes that is defined as you're free to meet at a certain uh registered place if there's a registered pastor and who's been trained at the registered seminary for most of the time that we've been in china you know like especially if somebody asks questions you know you're completely free to share with them your testimony and if they're interested in the bible to share with them you know stories from god's word and from and the gospel is that technically legal i'm not sure actually well it does depend a bit on the definition doesn't it that the government might decide is that right on I think it's one of those areas too that one of the few areas that if you know if the government would say you cannot share your faith then I think that does directly contradict scripture I don't think we can make disciples without sharing faith and that's a clear command of Jesus the last words he gave and so I think whether or not it is it's legal it's still super important Mm. I mean we can't not share.
And so as you live here in China, yeah, you mentioned that Chinese people are friendly and you, you ha you've had opportunities. Have you got any particular stories that stand out for you of people that you've been able to share the gospel with and perhaps even see come to faith? Yeah, and that's what makes it all worthwhile, I guess, of a mom's group and seeing them move from seekers to knowing a little bit about Jesus and sharing that with their families to actually coming to faith. That's been cool. And also people who maybe have come... Uh, you know, as believers, but training them to to share their faith, training them, especially we, we, we're doing a lot with the Discovery Bible Studies, just a small training people to start their own small groups and it's often the newest believers who go ahead and start the groups and, and to see them start a group and then invite neighbors and friends and those neighbors and friends come to, to Jesus and them to continue loving and serving each other and so we have some of those and then now they're thinking about studying other groups and that is really exciting and you know marriages changed you know families changed because because of of Jesus and that's very cool it's very worthwhile mm. yeah. yeah you mentioned also that your ministry focus has changed over the years as things have changed in China but also as I guess you have got to sort of understand where best you might be able to use your gifts to serve here. Yeah, you mentioned the Discovery Bible Studies. What other kind of areas are you, your husband, specifically focusing on at the moment? Apart from the, like, just casting vision for we want to see the, you know, this whole city reached because it's, it's enormous and if we just start big churches, you know, it's not going to get reached. So multiplying disciples, multiplying yeah. obedience-based small groups, that's one focus. So when you say obedience-based small groups, mm. I think I know what you mean, but it does sound a bit odd. Do you okay. mean groups where actually there's an expectation that you respond to God's word and change your life in response to what you're hearing? Yes. As opposed to just, that's God's word and I'm not going to change. Yeah. So Discovery Bible Study, or we call it a three-thirds group, there's a number of parts of it that are specifically designed to help everyone obey God's word. After the, the time that you that you interact around the word, there's time where you quietly pray and ask God, how do you want me to, like every week, how do you want me to respond to this? You share that with the group, everybody writes it down. So you're answering the question, how do you want me to obey this passage? Who do you want me to share it with? Who do you want me to share the gospel with? You know, sometimes God will give you a clear answer sometimes on one, two, three, but you share, everybody writes it down and we practice it in the group. So if my obedient step was, you know, I'm going to share it with my colleague, you pretend you're my colleague and I share it with you, we practice it and then we pray for each other and then the next week, every week, you know, we ask, how did it go? This is what you said, you know, during the week we're praying for each other, next week we say, how did it go? So there's, that obedience is built into the structure. You know, as opposed to when you go to a big group and you often just sit and nobody asks you how you're going to weigh it and nobody asks the next week, did you do it? I, I love it because I think for a lot of years I felt, I felt a lot of guilt that I'm not really obeying, I'm not really putting into practice. It's, and it's not a, like I always intended to, but sometimes it's just a sheer volume. You listen to a lot of sermons and, you know, quiet time that you, you don't know, you don't think through how, what does it really mean for me to obey? 
and nobody asks you about it. So yeah, you don't follow through. And this really helps me personally to follow through and also helps me to share, you know, that accountability to share. And, mm. and I love that about it. And I can imagine it would, yeah, it would really help you trust each other and care for each other because you're praying such specific things for each other mm-hmm. and following up. Yeah. And, and it's yeah. encouraging too yes. when you hear, you know, this person shared or, you know, they ask forgiveness in this relationship they, you know, yeah. they needed to mend or that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, sorry. So I interrupted. So that's one of the things that you're oh. focusing on. The other main thing is, I mentioned before this, there are unreached people groups within China. There are different ethnic minorities, and some of them are reached and some of them aren't. There are a number of them to the west of where we are. They used to be quite remote, but again, changes in China with the roads and the rail, they're, they're now within you know reach of Christians in the cities. And so we are working alongside local churches to help them have a vision you know, that missions is not just in other countries, but also here in your own country. It, I mean, it still is cross-cultural a lot of mm. time. It is different cultures, different languages, and it's not always easy for people from the cities to go to these places. So we have some specific ones that we're uh, helping local churches to to pray for and to to go the next steps with, because it's, it's hard when there's nothing there. And like some of the ones we've, we've you know, we've taken taking Christians on vision trips to to pray for the people and to just, you know, you just go up to people and you just talk to people and you kind of throw out some statements about God and see, you know, it's, it's kind of fun and cool. Uh, and then, like, like one group from this city has, you know, sent a short-term team back to do a, a kid's camp and they wanted to send, a, like, a long-term worker but not able to get the, because of the security and all, to get, a, like, permission to be there. But that type of thing to help local people reach the the unreached peoples here. Yeah. Thank you for telling us about that. What strains do you think living in a different culture places on your marriage and family life? This is a hard one because we've never lived um, anywhere else to compare it to. And because we come from two different countries, we don't have one place that we would both be this is the place that we both are most comfortable you know in i think though i could answer that question if for for all of us the expat community is very transient here and uh Actually, i felt that at church this morning looking that's around so hard yeah like the kids school a quarter of the students change every year yeah and i've never gotten used to that you know i as a person i make friends a little slowly and and it just rips your heart out, you know, when people leave again. So that that's a hard thing, I think, for all of us. The other thing that comes to mind is when the kids go to uni, they're going so far away. And I, I think that will be a challenge. What do you think strengthens your marriage? Like, or how has this lifestyle <laughs> that you're living, how, how has it strengthened your marriage and family, do you think? Because your family, I mean, I've lived here for two days and... They just get on really well and have such an obvious love for each other. And well, you've been here on two good days. <laughs> I have, haven't I? I think there are lots of blessings about living the life that we do for marriage and for family. We spend a lot of time together. <laughs> that can make or break your, your your marriage and your family. Like my husband and I, we we work together and we minister together. 
you know, as well as socially together. So we spent a lot of time together and that's, that's good. It's given us lots of opportunities to work through all kinds of things because, uh, you know, personality wise we're completely opposite. I think for the kids, it's great that we can, you know, we do minister together, like at Christmas, you know, we host people and we, you know, tell them a story and in different times of the year, we can, we can do things together as a family. And and the sounds of the happy family cleaning up dinner outside may well be coming <laughs> through the background, but hopefully not too loud. <laughs> so what do you think or what do you wish that Aussie and American Christians understood about <laughs> China or the kind of life you're living or the work that you're doing? Uh, two things come to mind. One is, I think people often think of like the government pressure and I don't know, the secrecy, like that's a big thing in people's minds, but it's not, and it is a concern for us, you know, we want to be honoring to the government, but it's not, it's not our main daily reality, you know, of life. And it's not even our main challenge, I don't think, in ministry. The other thing that I, it's probably the same everywhere, but God works when we pray and like how much we covet the prayers of people who are back home. We're ordinary, weak people, you know, and you get up and you live your life. And if if there's going to be kingdom fruit, you know, if I'm going to, tomorrow be faithful in my conversations to share and to prayer walk and to invite people to study the bible it needs to be god's work and if they are going to respond with faith and if those groups are going to remain and multiply it's you know it's god's work and it's not i don't think it's going to happen without prayer i would want people to pray pray for the church in china pray for yeah of course yeah yeah yeah. do you send out a prayer letter Mm mm-hmm Periodically, yeah. every every month and a little bit. Every between. month, that's mm-hmm. a lot. I'll have to get on it. <laughs> You'd be welcome, so I can pray. What's strengthening and encouraging you at the moment? One of the perks of my job is that I get to pray. As like you know, I can schedule time just in the middle of the day to spend time in prayer, and that is such a blessing. Just to bring all these little things and big things to the father and to spend that time with him i'd say that is maybe the most strengthening i mentioned about the obedience small groups Um, being part of them is great for me as well as for the people and in my quiet times we kind of you know how you go through lots of different things that you do in your quiet times and the the one thing i do now it's called soaps it's similar to like the obedience based small group so you every day you know, focusing on a, sh- a sh- really short scripture. You might read the chapter, but I'll just write the full full verses and then, you know, make all kinds of observations. I might check commentaries or whatever, or I might not. Writing down my prayer and asking God, how do you want me to respond to it? And some, I usually write something I'm going to do that day. I don't do it every day, but who am I going to share with? And I try and do that, whether it's just at breakfast, sharing with the kids, this is what I read this morning, or, you know, my problem with my husband, or somebody throughout the day or sending somebody a text to encourage them. It's simple, you know, and if you have a short time, I spend a shorter time. If I have a long time, I spend yeah. a longer time, but I find that really... SOAP is an acronym, isn't it? We do SOAPs where it has sharing on the end. Okay, so, yeah. but SOAP stands for... Scripture, observation, application, prayer, sharing. Love it. Yeah. Thank you. Because you could do that for any passage of the Bible. Yep. 
Listeners, if you don't know what to do in your quiet times at the moment, soaps. That's right. <laughs> Sometimes you just need a new idea. Yeah. So, yeah, that one sounds good. Okay, so my special last question for you is, can you read us one of your favourite Bible verses in Chinese? Oh, okay. Let's try that again. Woman that's Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2. And if you want to know what that means in English, you'll have to go and look it up. <laughs> Sally, thank you so much for your time here and, um, yeah, just for sharing a bit about what life is like for you and hopefully encouraging lots of us to pray more regularly for the work that you and your husband and your family do here. Thank you. Thanks so much. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of The Lydia Project. We would love you to share this episode with others, whether that be by word of mouth, social media, or leaving a review on iTunes. You can find us on most platforms using the handle at TLPCWCW. Special thanks goes to our platform host, The Gospel Coalition Australia. Music is Wholesome 7 by Dave Depper, and voiceover is by me, Jennifer Mary. As a special bonus to that interview with Sally, I'm now here with one of her daughters and we're going to call her Eowyn because she's a fan of Lord of the Rings and because we're keeping her real name secret. How did you come to faith in Christ? Well, I've grown up in a Christian family and so I've always just been surrounded by that, by the church and by um, that. Uh, I was baptised when I was nine, but there's no real clear moment of when I consciously made a decision to follow Christ. That's just kind of been like a natural transition or result of my childhood. And what kind of ministry are you involved in? I do sound at church, I run the soundboard, uh, and sometimes I'm involved with Sunday school whenever, usually in the break times because I have a little bit more time to prepare. And recently I've been asked to lead prayer a few times, so that's been cool, all at church. Um, and then we do youth group and, and so that's about it. Cool. What, what happens at youth group? Uh, youth group is lots of kids from school and in the... We can't have anybody who's... Not any local kids, but kids who can go to the school and come to the foreign fellowship. And so we have, we have a meal and uh, Bible reading and then we play. And one of the leaders gives a, a talk and then we have... We split into small groups, discuss it, and then at the end we play a game. Sounds fun. It's really awesome. fun. And so local kids can't go, so like it's just for internationals. Yes, because yeah. we can't share with local kids or we'll get in trouble. Yeah. So you're at school. How does your faith impact on your life at school? Um, well, I'm really blessed to be in a Christian school. So we, have, we do have a, a Bible class which is called Character Development because of government things. <laughs> so that's, that's uh, part of my everyday life. In terms of school, a lot of the people at youth group, um, and then we have a Bible study on Wednesday lunch times, uh, all school people, so and my friends and stuff, and so we it's really good to encourage each other in that. And then in terms of everyday life, I mean, I have a daily Bible reading, and sometimes I discuss 
uh, with my friends, you know, at lunch or whatever. A lot of them, especially those who are believers, and we encourage each other in that way. So, hmm. yeah, because not all of the kids at your school would even come from Christian families. No, definitely not. Um, and actually, within the last year, I've had a few friends who don't come from Christian families at all, uh, who've come to faith, which has been really exciting. Um, and so there's one friend especially that I'm really praying for right now because she's she's the only one in her family who's a believer and she just came to faith actually uh, last school year, yep. uh, so about a year and a half ago, and her parents still won't let her come to youth group because she lives across town and so that's that's really tricky for them to drive for here and it's they don't value that because they're not Christians. So, mm. so just things like that. Mm. So we're really praying for her to be able to have a fellowship. And what strengthens you as a Christian at the moment? At the moment, I mean, I've always felt encouraged by listening to music. It's always been a real encouragement for me. And just I a way of- I have seen you dance around <laughs> as you listen to me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do. And I, I love physical expression in worship. Um, yep. And so I do a lot of that. And I try to make time to just put some Christian worship music on and actively dance to it because it, it helps me to connect with God in that way. But just recently, kind of on a different note, the, the thing I've kind of been holding on to, because uh, I've had a little bit of a, you know, what do I, I do now kind of in my relationship with God, mm. uh, has been all I can do is the next right thing. Uh, you know, like what in this period of not knowing, just doing the next right thing. Um, so that's kind of been an encouragement to me and that I don't have to know because he does and just the process of trusting in him but just doing the next right thing. Yeah because what happens after school is big for you like bigger than for some kids who just go to the university in their hometown yeah because that's not your future is no it? <laughs> no so. <I'm> not <laughs> be going to school in 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 the city yeah um, and so yeah big decisions yeah to make and I don't not have the knowledge at this point to make them, so just yeah, do the next right thing. Next right thing. Good on you. Thank you so much, Awen. Yeah. <laughs> no problem. <laughs>